Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, living in beautiful Beijing. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today with me, I have three separate guests slash hosts of the Honest Drink podcast out of Shanghai. In a somewhat meta turn, we will be interviewing three fellow podcast hosts here in China with the growing podcast and media marvel, The Honest Drink. These three hosts take turns taking swigs of whiskey while inviting guests on to a show about their experiences living in China. Located in Shanghai and heralding from the West, we have Justin Yang, host of The Honest Drink and entrepreneur and investor, co-host Eric Shang, international man of mystery, and co-host Harry Lam, film director at Noir Creation. Welcome to the bridge. And sorry, we don't have any whiskey for you today, gentlemen. Oh, you don't? Damn. Okay. Okay. Well, it's it is ten in the morning, so I guess <laughs> we get a pass on that. I mean, when do you typically record your show? Uh, usually in the afternoons, because we do we do want to drink, and drinking in the morning might be a little bit little bit overboard. And any kind of drinks go on your show? Yeah. Um, whatever our guests are comfortable with. I mean, typically it's whiskey. We that's kind of our thing. But we'll drink anything. We've drank wine. We've drank cocktails. Uh, we've drank tea. It doesn't have to be alcohol. Oh, it doesn't have to be alcohol. No, no. I mean, if the guests, you know, some guests don't drink alcohol, so, you know, we mm-hmm. don't have to force them to drink alcohol. Although sometimes we do force them to drink it. I had Oscar Fuchs on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I saw him on your YouTube channel, gentlemen, and he was like, oh, I don't really drink. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. You need to. T-. So I'm not sure if I believe that story. <laughs> yeah. Oscar, when he came on the show, he was he was definitely gave us a little bit of a heads up. You're like, oh, I don't drink too much. Uh, Maybe just a gin and tonic or something. Wow. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's down a couple. Well, do you, you guys typically provide people the drink of their choice? Is that right? Yes or no? Uh, yeah, we try to. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's hard. What if they ask for Cristal or something? <laughs> like something obscenely expensive? We have not had that request yet, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> what about Mao Tai? What's that? Like 10,000 RMB a bottle, right? Oh, well, we've had Baijiu on the show before with some of our guests. Those yeah, were but, fun. But Mao Tai Baijiu. We've Friendly had some print. pricey whiskey on the show, though. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. We've had some really pricey whiskey. Uh, usually, I don't know. This might be come off a little, little bad, but like usually, if a guest says he doesn't like to drink, we feel we feel like we want to get him to drink even more, you know, because we like to enjoy their reactions, just like with Oscar. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, who came up with this idea? Um, I mean, it wasn't really an idea, you know. Honestly, like I think it's strange that most podcasts don't drink while they're podcasting. Like it just seems such a natural fit. I would think more people would be doing it that way. So it just came naturally. It wasn't an idea. It was just, they just seemed to go hand in hand. You were just like, let's do a podcast. And then you were like already drinking. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, it really stemmed back to us three back in the days before we were doing the podcast, we would always hang out and mm. and just so happens be drinking. <laughs> and now that we're a bit older, uh, we don't really go out and quote unquote party. And so we're like, okay, let's do a little bit more civilized. And so we we control our drinking in a, in a controlled environment and try to learn and grow. Yeah, I actually really think the idea is very interesting. I'm sure that there have been, you know, millions of people sitting around getting drunk thinking, wow, we should have recorded this. So you guys are, are recording it. Exactly. Exactly. That's uh, we've had many of those moments in our early days and our party days. Eric, what do you think about this concept? Were you on board from the beginning? Um, well, I was kind of a latecomer. 
you know, they had a couple of, <laughs> they had some top choices in mind and, uh, you know, some people didn't want to sign up for the drinking. So uh, I was, <laughs> we, we, we had to drag him plan. in kicking and screaming. Yeah. I barely knew them actually. Um, like they called me up one day. Really? Is, are you, it feels like you're joking. Am I? <laughs> well, <it's> <laughs> I? I lived in Beijing. Like I was in Shanghai and I met these guys. Um, and then I moved to Beijing to get away from them and I'd forgotten all about them. And then when I moved back to Shanghai, you know, I got a call one day, so I, I don't know exactly where I was on that list. Mm. Um, but yeah, now I'm part of the crew. Wow. Okay. More, more like he called us begging to be on the show. <laughs> no, I'm Dude, I'm, I need some whiskey. Can you please just let me come over? <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. Howie, where are you from and how long have you been here? Uh, so I am from, I was born in Long Island in America mm. and grew up in Jersey, uh, moved here. I've been here for a while. I've been here for 16 years now. Wow. 16 years. Wow. Yeah. I was sure I was the longest here, but no. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've all been here pretty for a long time. So. Wow. Uh, Justin? Uh, yeah. I was raised in the States, uh, New Jersey. And Jay? Wow. You see, you're both from the same place. Yeah. Wow. The, the greatest state in America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I moved out here around 15 years ago wow. and uh, been here ever since. Yeah. 15 and 16 years. That's pretty incredible. Usually expats have only been here like three or five years or something. So these are some pretty long numbers. Yeah. Eric? Um, I'm actually from the greatest state. I don't know what these guys are talking about. I'm from Texas. <laughs> so born and raised. Houston, Texas, H-Town. Um, and I've been, I've, I've gotten on double digits. I, I think I, I got a couple of years on these guys, but yeah. I think I, I take the crown here. Wow. That's pretty impressive. So um, I'm going to ask each of you kind of the same question I like to ask a lot of my guests, and that is, you know, how is China now versus your first few weeks or months? You know, how has China changed or how have you and your perceptions of China changed in that time, Howie? Um, well, I mean, it's a huge difference from when I first came here until now. I mean, actually, when I first started coming to China was back in the late 90s because uh, my mom moved here first mm. and so I would visit her when I was like uh, in school and mm. you know it was like dirt roads and there was barely anything really just like a Judy's in Shanghai <laughs> yeah I mean it was just a lot yeah <laughs> really I can't I can't imagine yeah that. I mean I'm, I'm not saying it's all dirt roads but I'm just saying there's a lot of dirt roads because a lot of construction going on and wow and um, and then when I moved here it was already pretty bouncing pretty mm. pretty popping wow so. I, how, how he didn't it wasn't Shanghai he was in like he was in some hinterlands so just you know <laughs> <laughs> like Sh Shanghai had roads <laughs> yeah was sure. there like ho horse and carriages going on <laughs> dude don't knock it I'm serious don't knock it no they, it didn't even have horse carriages they had those ones where the people carry you <laughs> yeah. justin how has china changed or how have you changed what was culture shock like what brought you to china oh wow a bunch of questions rolled up into one i like it that's how i how i usually do it myself yeah, yeah. <laughs> um okay well the whole culture shock thing i usually say this on our show actually is that i've actually had more culture shock moving from the east coast to the west coast of the united states because i went to i went to school i went to university in los angeles wow and so coming from jersey wow. Wow. You see, you went to the best state after all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, lo I love I love California. Uh, uh, California was really great to me. Yeah, I spent a lot of time there. But I, I had a much more culture shock moving from New Jersey to California than I did from the United States to Shanghai. Mm. Um, I think it's because, you know, they're both kind of like Shanghai is a really metropolitan city. Mm. Uh, when I moved here, it wasn't horse and carriages like Howie when Howie saw it. <laughs> but, but it was pretty, pretty modern, pretty metropolitan already. And so I didn't have much culture shock. 
TikTok when I first got here, to be honest. I It was just really exciting. Mm. I think how it's changed. Obviously, the infrastructure has changed a lot, but like, but that's the boring stuff. I think culturally and people's mentalities have um, have definitely changed. And mm. I don't know, I, I just feel like it's gotten in a way less exciting almost now. It's it's more civilized here mm. than it was. It's, it's, it's just more like legitimate, you know? So when I first got here, it was more like uh, the wild, wild mm. east. And it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. Well, I mean, if you like that kind of fun, couldn't you just move out of Shanghai to like, I don't know, any province and like, get the kind of same experience all over again because a lot of places are not as well developed as Beijing, Shanghai, Chongqing, Shenzhen, etc. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yeah, if you go to the, like, the second and third tier cities or more like the third tier cities now, even the second tier cities here have have kind of started catching up already. But yeah, like uh, we used to travel a lot. We, you know, we used to uh, do different, we had jobs that would bring us all around China mm. and we'd visit all these uh, second, third tier cities and it'd be a blast. Yeah, it'd be like going in a time machine and it'd be like Shanghai like, you know, 15 years ago. So Wow. It, was, it was yeah you're, you're exactly right that's actually my experience of beijing as well like when i moved to beijing it was like these plastic chairs on the street and people drinking like you know very cheap baijiu and eating chuar yeah. you know maybe by 2014 2015 that was completely gone it's just vanished from beijing and you know beijing used to have a smell an odor of like chuar wafting through the air at night and now it's it's just mm. not there at all it's like just a very normal you know uh western style city almost with a lot of museums. Eric, what about you? Same questions. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I would uh, echo sort of what Howie and Justin said. And what I've seen is, you know, there's a sense of, I think there's a pretty good sense of optimism, even though we've kind of gone through COVID, you know, in the last couple of years. But I think people here have really grown and, and changed. There's a confidence in terms of, uh, you know, the people here, mm. you know, obviously for, for us coming from you know, the Western world coming here, you know, we had to kind of acclimate just from an international perspective, whether it's like restaurants or things that we would like. Mm. I think there's much more of that, you know, in, in China now. And I think the other thing is that I myself over this long period of time, like I've grown and changed as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it, it's not like I'm just sort of observing. It's like, I've been part of the culture mm -hmm. um, and I've mm -hmm. gone through, you know, I spent a pretty big chunk of my life now in China. Mm -hmm. So just seeing all the changes around me and then me changing itself, I think it's worth a reflection. I don't know if we think about that, mm. you know, all the time. Mm, that, that's a very good point. Actually, I don't really think about that either. I think I'm going to start. You're listening to The Bridge. Um, beyond drinking, gentlemen, how would you describe, characterize the theme of your show? What are you guys trying to get at? What kind of uh, ideas are you sharing or growing together with your guests? Uh, Anyone? Well, I don't know, man. I like. I, I feel like our show isn't so much about drinking. You know, like well, at least we never set out for it to be about drinking, even though mm -hmm. it's in our it's in the name of the show, I guess. But <laughs> you know, drinking was always kind of a, an afterthought, and it was always kind of a you know to lubricate the conversation mm. more so for us. I think we started realizing that we needed to get together more. You know, we're, I, I'm pretty like, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I didn't socialize as much and we, you know, we realized kind of our friendships was something that we were kind of not paying enough time to. And mm -hmm. whenever we got together, there was always be these interesting conversations about kind of life and our psychology and the changes we're going through, the angst we're going through. And mm -hmm. at least for me, it kind of first started off with, you know, wanting to talk about the midlife crisis or mm -hmm. what I was perceiving to be the midlife crisis at the time and trying just to be honest and vulnerable, you know, and I was really inspired by a lot of other podcasts that I was listening to. And it just felt like it was 
was a lower kind of bar of entry to start a podcast. You know, just get some equipment, mm -hmm. get some microphones, start recording and, you know, see if anyone wants to listen. And really, that's kind of how we started. We didn't, you know, we weren't trying to take ourselves too seriously. It was just more about like a personal thing we were going on and, you know, eventually mm -hmm. kind of grew into what it is now. Oh, you know, I'd like to tell you gentlemen a story. I was at a club here that's a monthly meet called the Old Hands Lunch for anyone who's uh, an expat from any country who's lived in China for more than 10 years. And I was sitting down and someone asked me what I did and I told him. And then he said, what kind of guests do you have? I said, I have three gentlemen coming on from this show, The Honest Drink. And they drink while they do their podcast. And he immediately took his phone out and downloaded you guys onto his phone. <laughs> like it was instantaneous. He was like, that sounds so interesting. <laughs> and he, he immediately downloaded right there as we were talking. I felt a little sad because he didn't download mine. Because <laughs> like three people drinking and doing a podcast, that sounds fantastic. He was like downloading it right there at the table. You know, what about the other gentlemen in, in the room? Howie, Eric, what do you, what do you guys think? What, what are you trying to accomplish with this show? Um, so first of all, challenge Justin here a little bit. Um, <laughs> We love bring to it do on, that. Man. I, bring it on. I think it's just a pissing match, right? Like our show is. I mean, I think it started just you know, kind of us disagreeing on things, and then wanting to have a platform to kind of challenge each other and take the piss out of each other. Mm. I mean, maybe not the main reason, but we like doing that. I think for Justin, I mean, he is a bit of a hermit. Mm. He rarely leaves his um, house. We, we didn't see him for years at a time. Mm. And so the way to kind of get him out of his house. Wow. Um, and I think he just treats the show as self-help, honestly, <laughs> like the midlife crisis, like he just wants someone to talk to, right? So we don't charge him or anything like that. Um, but he does give us free whiskey. I, I have noticed, though, that since these two gentlemen had their um, children in the last few months. Like they're really downplaying this wow. drinking thing. Yeah. Congratulations, guys. Um, Howie's got two, actually. He got two for the price of one. <laughs> wow. Impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel like they're downplaying the drinking stuff. Like if you would come to the studio, I mean, literally, it looks like, I mean... It looks like we're... Yeah, I've seen you guys on YouTube where there's just bottles spread out on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just bottles everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just don't remember. They just don't remember. So They um, don't remember. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think, you know, the, the drinking... I mean, to kind of like go back to maybe what Justin was saying a little bit earlier is that, you know, we all went through that period of time where we came out to China, you know, and we partied our asses off. And that's where we met, right? We met in the club, I think. Mm. I mean, I don't really remember. It's all a haze, right? And, you know, the, the feeling of meeting, you know, you meet a lot of people, but there are a few people that you just maybe felt that kind of connection with over the years. And for me, um, Howie and Justin were those two. I just felt something, you know, that connected us, right? I don't know what it was. And so mm -hmm. over the years, like we kind of drifted in and out of each other's lives. But, you know, when I moved back to Shanghai a few years ago, you know, we got reconnected mm -hmm. and we knew that, you know, our lives have kind of changed, right? We're getting a little bit more serious. We had serious girlfriends, you know, like we weren't the same people we were before, mm -hmm. but we still had that connection. Mm -hmm. And we knew like we couldn't just be like partying all the time, but we did want to stay connected. And so we brought some of that um, heritage or legacy, mm -hmm. you know, our our current lives. And then this this podcast kind of in a way became a platform for us to stay um, connected. And then because we're moving into new chapters of our lives, we were learning and growing together and we're becoming like a little bit more serious, legitimate human beings. 
And then it was really fun. I think like, mm-hmm. like Justin always says this, it's like, we never want to get too serious on the show. Mm. The topics will take us there, but we really want, like we really vibe and we really connect with our audiences when we show like ourselves and that mm-hmm. connection, right? Like people can feel that we've known each other for, you know, 10, 15 years or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it is. And then over time we've built on that because we've been able to meet experts mm-hmm. and then we've developed some themes of the show where we're like, Hey, we love learning about new things together and growing. Well, you know, how can we be open-minded and bring people, um, you know, from all, you know, all over, like all different types of um, areas. Yeah. Howie, same question. What do you, what are you trying to accomplish with the honest drink? Um, I mean, one thing that I always like to harp on is the fact that uh, we are Chinese but born abroad, all three of us from America. Mm-hmm. And so having that perspective of that East mm-hmm. and West perspective is one of the things that I like to focus on. Um, so when and a lot of the conversations we have, whether it's mm-hmm. just us three on a podcast or when we invite guests, we like to come in from a perspective of that East and West perspective, being able to have different perspectives. You know what I mean? And that's, that's something that's a little bit different than I feel mm-hmm. maybe some other podcasts. Uh, just the fact that, for example, we have a big Chinese audience. And the feedback we get from the Chinese audience Mm -hmm. is that, oh, because you guys look like us and speak Mm -hmm. the language, but at the same time, you grew up in the Western culture, we're very curious to hear what you guys have to say. Mm. So that's that's one of, I think, mm-hmm. the main talking points that we have. You know, I want to ask a question. It's not on the list of questions I gave you, and it's really politically sensitive. So you can answer however you want. I am very curious because we've done several shows about it on my podcast because all three of you are, you know, American born Chinese. So there has been an increase in the last two or three years around anti-Asian hate crime. I was wondering, what are your thoughts on this phenomenon and what, what kind of solutions and how to how do we move forward to lessen this threat? Uh, yeah, um, I, I feel I feel that sentiment. Yeah, I mean that's a topic we discuss sometimes on our show as well. And I don't know, like mm-hmm. I'd be lying to you if I told you I felt I knew any any solutions to it. Mm-hmm. But it's I think a lot of it is driven by the media. And you know, I one of the things I like to rant about on our show is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is kind of how media, the corruption of media these days is mainstream media, especially mm-hmm. in terms of the information it disseminates and how they portray certain narratives and how they talk about certain things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's just really unfortunate. Like, I don't, I don't know. And I mean, this has happened time and time again throughout history. I mean, in America, mm-hmm. this is not new in America. I mean, the yeah. Japanese before were, were a very kind of discriminated mm-hmm. group for a few reasons, you know, back in the day and before that, of course. So we know the history. Mm-hmm. And it's happening again. I think this kind of like sinophobia, I guess, is really just Mm -hmm. uh, it trickles down from a lot of kind of geopolitical things that are happening. And I think Mm -hmm. especially when you're talking about superpowers and you're talking about dominant superpowers, they they need Mm -hmm. to get the masses in line in terms of pointing out who is your enemy. Mm -hmm. You know, who who are the people that you need to be afraid of or, or dislike? And that obviously helps them kind of do like move a lot of agendas that they may have uh, when they have the support of their people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I I think this is just how a lot of superpowers work, especially the United States. 
And it's just an unfortunate consequence that I think a lot of people mm. buy into uh, this kind of, uh, you know, this prop kind of propaganda, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. And for a lot of reasons, I feel like before it wasn't as intense, but ever since COVID, I mean, that just kind of poured a lot of fuel onto the fire for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're just seeing a lot of, I think, ignorance is how I would put yeah. it. Well, one thing that we've discussed in our show is people-to-people uh, -people exchanges. And right now, there's a, a lull in the amount of foreigners, especially Americans, Canadians, uh, living in China. And one of the things that I hope for and my co-hosts hope for is that we can get more people from China to move to the United States and more people from the United States to move to China. And maybe that will you know, alleviate some of the ignorance that you, you pointed out. What do you guys think, Howie and Eric? Yeah, I think that's yeah, it's interesting. Um, there was a recent Thomas Friedman an article where he kind of points out something very similar. Um, and he came to China for the um, that China Development Forum. Um, and so he was able to give a you know, slightly more balanced picture of what's actually going on. Because, you know, I think he, I can't remember exactly his words, but he just said like, if you've, you know, if you're trying to report on something, you've got to be there, right? There's no substitute for that. Mm. And so a lot of it is just People are people become very divisive and polarized when they actually don't get to sit down and have a conversation, right? I mean, you know, Justin, Howie, and myself, we fight all the time, but you know, yeah. like we we also come kind of come to the table, and I think that's you know that's really important is for that for both sides to be able to see mm. you know what's actually going on for themselves. I think Justin talks a lot about this, right? Is like seeing things firsthand, you know, secondhand. Um, you know, or third hand. Mm. And so I think that'll go a long way. Howie, did you want to weigh in? Well, I just think in general, the three of us may have a similar perspective mm. to what Justin and, and, and even Eric just uh, said. Mm. So we all are in agreement on that, even though a lot of times we don't agree on, on certain things. But in terms of like the Asian, I guess the negativity towards Asians in general, in particular Chinese mm -hmm. in America, I think it's a battle that's going to be really difficult to win right now, just because uh, mm. of the relationship between America and China right now. And like Justin alluded to with the history with mm. with Japan and Japanese back in the 80s, mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, it's, it's a similar thing that's happening. So you're listening to The Bridge. We have a lot of the same guests. So you've had Andy Borham on. He's actually a very good friend of mine. Oscar Fuchs, I just had him on. Yeah. Matt of Jayo Nation, uh, he talked all about his travels across China with us as well. And Cyrus Jansen. What's interesting is that Cyrus Jansen, when I asked him the same question I just asked you gentlemen, he actually had a lot of the same ideas about like ignorance and like historical cycles and things. It's very interesting that we're kind of running in the same circles <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um, I mean, all great people, all great guests, especially with Cyrus, I think I'll, I can speak for myself. And uh, I think what he's doing is mm -hmm. is actually really great uh, because one of the things he's always saying is, is bridging, mm -hmm. you know, was it like bringing East and West, you know, together and just coming in I'm, as much as possible, as unbiased as possible. Mm. I just think that that positivity, I mean, he's always trying to come in from a positive side. I think that's needed. Mm. Uh, I'm not mm. saying that we need to hear more, let's say, China positive uh, voices uh, just to have China mm. positive voices. I just think it, they need to be unbiased, mm. Mm -hmm. period. Well, I wanted to ask you, gentlemen, a little bit about what you would want, because I guess you've been living here quite a long time. You know, what would you want people back in America to know about China that maybe they don't understand? So. I think a lot of people, like uh, Justin mentioned, the media, there's a lot of bias and corruption there. And it doesn't, I think it's more interested sometimes for me in not just 
outlying who's our enemy. I mean, I think that's definitely part of it, but a lot, big part of it is they're kind of like self-referential. So CNN says this certain thing about China and then MSNBC or Fox are saying the same kind of thing because they're all like kind of taking cues from each other and they're all kind of ignorant about China. So what would you guys want to tell people back home in the States about how life in China really is versus what they're seeing portrayed in the media? Who would like to go first? Uh, I guess I'll take this one first. The, um, I guess for me, the question is, what do people in general really think about China? If we're just taking it from what we see Hmm. kind of disseminated through, you know, Western media, then we get one idea that although people probably think it's everything's really negative, but mm. I don't know if that is really how most people are thinking. Um, you know, I, I've seen some interviews of of young Americans where they're like, "Yeah, well, I don't buy those whole media propaganda thing that China is the enemy." I think mm. you know they're they're a lot more objective, but you know, I've heard kind of really ignorant stuff too. So. I think the first question is like, really, what are most people thinking? And I think it's going to be on a case by case basis. I know for myself, I've had a lot of my close friends from the U.S. visit me in Shanghai uh, multiple times. Mm. And so and they've always had a blast coming here. So they kind of know what it's like. And so I wouldn't really have to say too much to them. I think for anyone that's hasn't had the chance to come here. I mean, there's so much to say, but I think the one thing to cut through everything I would say is like I've lived in New York for a long periods of time. I lived in Los Angeles for a long period of time. I grew up in the States mm-hmm. and I've been in Shanghai for the last 15 years. And my life in Shanghai is every bit as happy as I ever been in the States. And I think we think Mm. of China and the States, and especially, uh, you know, as very different. But to me, when you're living in a place like Shanghai, there there's actually more similarities than there are differences. Like my, like, again, when I moved out here, I said, I never had any culture shock. Mm. It's like, Oh, okay. This is just like any other city. And people are living here just like in any other city. You know, there are happy people. There are unhappy people. And there are people dealing with stresses of life, like anywhere they'd be living. And so I just find it Mm. kind of remarkable when the media kind of paints it out to be like this really like dystopian place. And that's like really not the case at all. And it's really similar. And I I live a very happy life here. So, Mm. I mean, I guess that's what I would say in a nutshell. I mean, you can always go into the details of this and that, but really Mm -hmm. it comes down to what is your quality of life and how happy are you living here? And and I can say, I've you know, again, I've been just as happy here as I've been anywhere. Howie? Um, So I want to step in a little bit here. Justin, what he just said was based in Shanghai. And now we are in a bubble. Mm. Now, Shanghai, is it's like being in New York City. I, I used to always say that when I was living in New York City, that... Being here is is like not really you don't get the f- true feeling of being in America, right? Of what America means, right? Yeah, yeah. And so same thing with Shanghai. It's like we're in a bubble here, or say, sim- similar in Beijing. I guess first tier cities, you may you may get that. Mm. But I think yeah, you go beyond that and you look at the rest of China. Um, you just kind of have a feeling, a general feeling of of people kind of just living in their own world. It's just like, there's everyone's just doing their own thing. And it's just like, mm-hmm. everyone has grown up with different type of cultures and standards. And it's just different than mm-hmm. the American standard or the American way, you know? It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's nothing wrong in fear. It, it, you should not be fearing difference. I mean, that's the biggest. Yeah, I feel you on that. If you go to Louisiana or like San Francisco, Seattle, or like Colorado or Idaho, they're all going to be completely different from one another. Yeah. The only similarities are like, 
you know, the most metropolitan places like New York and Los Angeles, and they're dissimilar too. The same thing is true in, in China, in my opinion. You go to Shandong or Anhui or Shanghai or wherever, none of them are really like each other. So like, I think it is challenging for us to try to portray China when China isn't a one thing. It's many things. Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to add in. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to add in too, is that, I mean, it is an apples to apples comparison in terms of the contrast though. That's what I'm saying. Like, I agree. Like we are living in a bubble in Shanghai mm. and it is, it is not representative of what it's like, mm. you know, China overall, just like New York wouldn't be representative of America overall. So I think it is still an apples to apples comparison in terms of mm. the different contrast between living in a major metropolitan city and living, let's say, in, in a rural farmland area. Area, yeah. Right. So, yeah. So I, I would say the comparisons are, are pretty, pretty similar. Eric, what do you think? What I would say is that um, maybe a couple of things. Um, one to kind of go back to an earlier, you know, kind of comments we made um, there. We had a guest on. Um, his name was Dr. Lem Moy, Dr. Yeah. Lem Moye. Um, and he was, a, mm -hmm. what was he, an epide epidemiologist or he's a doctor? Um, yeah, he was an epidemiologist. Yeah, epidemiologist, like researcher, academic. Um, he lived in, I think, Texas and Houston for a while. And he came on the show. Mm -hmm. There was something that he said that I think was really profound. And I wanted to kind of quote him. And he said, he said this, he said, we don't seem to be able to appreciate the limitations of the media. Mm -hmm. The media is a terrible way to learn about people. The only way to learn about people is to be with them, to experience what they go through. And what happens is that we wind up getting really siloed in our worlds and we get our information digitally and it turns out to be a really poor translation of what's really happening. And he referenced this during like Hurricane Katrina, you know, and there was like all these different types of media reports that there was, you know, people from New Orleans going to Houston and there was like crazy activity, drugs and violence and all this stuff. And he, he actually went there and he, all he saw was predominantly sort of acts of, you know, kindness. So I would say that I don't like to get caught up in some, you know, this, like the labeling, like at any given period of time, countries are, nations are always fighting and you could put, mm. you know, China, Russia, you know, you can go back a hundred years. Like there's always going to be conflict. Um, and at the same time, there's always going to be, you know, people wanting to work together to make things better. And that, and I think that mindset has won over this mindset of conflict, right? I mean, th this is both sides of being human, whether it's 51%, 49%, but mm -hmm. we kind of inch forward in terms of, you know, bringing peace and kind of harmony, you know, to the world, right? So some people might think, mm -hmm. you know, China is the enemy right now and, you know, whoever it is. And so I, I don't know if we can help people like that, right? Like I don't, I'm not trying to defend or say, you know, anything in, in terms of commenting on my own experience, but for those of mm -hmm. um, the world that don't have a fixed point of view around, whether it's China or Russia or whatever, whatever the media is portraying to be the enemy, mm -hmm. I would just say like, be curious and open-minded. As long as you don't think it's the enemy and you want to get something out of it, just start in a positive place. What do you want to know more about this other place that you've never been to? Um, and start there and try to see like what's positive in that, whatever it is that you can get out of it. Right. And whatever place you're talking about, because today is China and 50 years, who knows mm. what the next China is going to sort of be like. I think we should just, you know, after Elon sets a, up a colony on Mars, we should just all become anti-Martian. It'd be way easier. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Those totally. damn Martians. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge.
I was going to have my co-host Alex here, who is very pro-Beijing, and I was going to have a battle over which one is cooler, Beijing or Shanghai. But actually, I want to change this question because I'm all alone and the three of you outnumber me. <laughs> to what are your favorite cities in China and why? You know, what's you, I'm sure all three of you have lived here 15 years or more have like been around and like seen China. So, you know, what was some of the outstanding places that you've been and what stood out to you and why, where would you, if someone was coming to China and you wanted to send them to somewhere other than Beijing or Shanghai, where would you send them and why would you do that? Justin? Oh, uh, I would, I would send them probably on a tour. I mean, I think the Sichuan province is really interesting to me. I love it there. Um, Chongqing, right? Uh, I, I love the food. I love the culture. I love the nightlife there. And it's really coming up culturally in terms of like the music scene and a lot of a lot of really cool things are going on there. A lot of artists coming out of that region as well. So I would say that's a cool place to visit. And also geographically, it's more towards it's it's really kind of geographically in the center of China. But in reference to Shanghai, it's more it's like the West Coast, right? It's like it's like the L.A. of, of China, I guess, in a way. Um, I would say them there. Uh, I think Changsha is also a great city. And, mm. and another little city in, in Henan is uh, Luoyang that we've been to that we've had I'm a lot of I'm shaking my head at Justin right now, by the way. <laughs> Why? Am I if taking all your answers? <laughs> no, you didn't say the number one. What's the number one? What's an, oh. <laughs> Howie? I'll leave that to you. I'll leave that to you. The noodle place? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll just hop in right now then. Um, we love Yunnan. Oh, Yunnan. <laughs> like, like, this, like all three of us have gone uh, all over Yunnan and we love it there. Oh, I thought you were going to say Zhenzhou. <laughs> wow, there's some lack of alignment. <laughs> yeah, we get you get used to that when you listen to us. <laughs> well, my wife loves Yunnan. I've actually never been, so I wouldn't know. Highly recommended. It's, oh, it's, it's beautiful. Awesome. You got to go. You got to go. Like Dali, Lijiang, uh, Shangri-La. It, these are beautiful places. Yeah, I do want to go someday. I'm actually leaving in two days to go to Jiangxi for like a work kind of trip. I'm going to get to travel around in there. I've never been. Eric, what about you? What what cities or rural areas anywhere in China that have stood out in your mind that you would you would recommend? I've been to most that were just mentioned and I love them um, just as much. China is like a huge place. Geographically, it's like the size of the US. I mean, it's massive. Mm. And um, there are, I think, and don't quote me on this, probably like 100 to 200 cities that have a population over a million. Mm. So that's just like mind boggling. Because mm. when you look at the US in comparison, you know, it's it's another scale. If you're a city that has a million people, that's like big city, massive. Yeah. But here, it's like a tiny village <laughs> yeah. that has like a million people. So there's just so <laughs> much, so much. I'll just bring up one. I'm just trying to get to, get to as many places as possible mm. um, while I'm here. But Yingchuan in Ningxia is uh, a beautiful place, kind of mm -hmm. a bit in the north of China. It's near the desert and near Inner, Inner Mongolia. You can do like um, racing in the desert, like wow. in, a, in a four by four. But then there's lots of vineyards mm -hmm. and some really like probably like 30, 40 years ago, they started investing, you know, in, in vineyards there. And even though it's very cold, they figured out a way to kind of preserve the vines over the winter. Wow. So there's some really top wines there um, and they're beautiful and people there are super passionate about their wine. Um, so it's like a really great place to just, you know, if you like wine, go to the vineyards. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of different places there are vineyards in China. It's very yep. surprising. Shandong also has an enormous amount of vineyards. If I'm able to weigh in here, I have not been to some of the places you guys have said, so maybe I'm wrong. But where I've been 
that I liked the most was so far was actually Wuhan. I really love bridges. I'm from San Francisco. So like there, you know, the bridges are part of the everyday life there. You're just seeing them all the time in the background. Mm. And so when I went to Wuhan, it's like 11 super bridges covering the Yangtze River. And I was just like, this is some kind of weird heaven or something. Yeah, it's just like located right in the city, the center of the country. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets too. so hot in the summer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you were there. <laughs> it is ridiculously hot. I had this huge, like two meter wide black umbrella that was meant for these super rainstorms that Wuhan has. But I found myself using it in the summer also yeah. just to avoid the sunlight. It was so hot there. It is really, really hot. In terms of your the your show, you know, The Honest Drink, where do you guys see yourself going in the next year, few years? What kind of guests are you going to have on? What kind of themes are you doing? What can your fans look forward to? Um, Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Jason, we don't we're not as disciplined and as professional as uh, maybe we come off sometimes. So we don't have, we, we kind of live week by week with our show in terms of, oh, what do we want to talk about today? And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the guests that we get on. But mm. I mean, in the future, who knows? I mean, I kind of want to keep doing what we're doing. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. And as long as we're having fun doing this, we're going to keep doing it. And you know, there's sometimes there's temptations of like, you know, taking ourselves a little too seriously, which I'm always fighting. And I just want to keep it really casual. I don't I don't want to mm. I don't want to make it too much of a thing where it becomes like a real job or anything like that. I want to keep it fun and casual. And hopefully I can maintain that kind of spirit with the show. Mm. But as the show grows, it gets, you know, there's a little more pressure to kind of discipline ourselves and, 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 you know, legitimize the show and ourselves as hosts. And, and I don't know, I like that. And I'm super grateful for everyone that listens to us, of course. But I also, you know, kind of don't want to lose like the spirit of why we started the show in the first place. You guys aligned, Howie and Eric? Uh, well, I'll go. So for me, I agree with Justin in the sense that the spirit of the show has always been about... In the beginning, we, we started the show because we wanted to do it for ourselves, right? And one of the reasons that we gave uh, we also spoke on the show is that it's like a time capsule, right? So we have mm -hmm. uh, these recordings we could always go back on and just see what was life like and what were, what were we thinking at that time. Mm -hmm. And even our kids in the future can hear what their fathers were thinking and, and discussing. So at first it was like, it's mm -hmm. purely selfish, right? It's also a reason for us to get together. Mm -hmm. Why not just record it? That kind of thing. Very genuine. And um, as the fan base kind of grew, uh, we, we started realizing, okay, well, we kind of have to button up a little bit here <laughs> and take it a little more seriously. And so recently, um, we've been speaking a lot more about planning and and uh, getting like, for example, video subtitles out and mm. and, um, you know, we're getting some more sponsorships coming in now. So we're just we need to we need to take it a little more seriously. But like Justin said, if he starts to get not fun, then, then we wouldn't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, Eric, do you want to answer the same question? Um, yeah, I think, you know, like. Every time I come on the show and I have an opportunity to spend time with Justin Howie and guests, and then, you know, today is a real special treat with you, Jason. I'm just kind of blown away by how much we get out of it and, you know, you. things that you just might not have sort of expected, right? Like coming on the show and hearing my co-hosts, like we, you know, we've known each other for a long time and then continuing to learn from them and hear their perspectives. I think that's super duper powerful. And I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate like sort of the diversity of views that helps me grow. Mm. You know, Justin always says like the core value of the podcast is having fun. Mm. And it's not just about like having fun, like, you know, you know, going to Disneyland kind of fun. It's about that <laughs> this constant curiosity of connecting with people and learning new things 
I think that curiosity is something we share as a core, core value. Mm. And that drives everything we do. And there's so many angles that the podcast brings us. Mm. And so like, I think Justin once said, and I love this, he's like, you know, just kind of coming on the show allows us to kind of find our groove together. Mm. We just throw things out there and then we see what sticks. Mm. And so like, I'm constantly just sort of, you know, surprised and delighted by what I learn on the show, by new perspectives. And I think we need that over time. Our mind just get, our minds get narrower and narrow, mm. narrower. Right. And this show allows us to keep that open mind and continue to, um, to grow. So I have a lot of fun just from that. Um, aspect of it. Andy Borham came on your show. And one of the things that I've been meaning to do that I haven't done is make merch. And when he came onto your show, he brought merch with him, unboxed it and started passing it out. I was wondering because you guys have a very clear theme around, you know, okay, maybe you don't. You've already said that it's not just about drinking, but certainly that's part of it. And it's one of the reasons you're popular. Any chance you guys are going to start developing merch? Uh, Yeah. When Andy came on, he had all this merch for us and we still have it in our studio. And I think we were talking about creating merch, but the thing is, we've always flirted with that idea. I don't know. I'll, maybe it's a little, it's a lack of self-confidence. We just don't know if any of our listeners would really want any merch. Like, do you have any ideas of what would be good merch for us. I think the obvious thing people <laughs> people have said is absolutely whiskey glass. Yeah, that that's the obvious. Come thing. on, right off the bat, you know Whis- whiskey glass. If you guys are drinking whiskey, that's the obvious thing. But like, you could do all kinds. Who of- wants whiskey glasses with with the honest drink on them? Like, I, I don't do. know. Like, I don't know if people really want that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, we got one customer. Oh, <laughs> Andy sent me some of his stuff, and I have the uh, the reports on China coffee mug. That's the coffee mug I use at my work. I, I drink out of it every day, all the time. I and when I'm not drinking out of it, I keep pens in it. <clears throat> not sure I always clean it well enough. But anyways, you know, you guys could do shot glasses. You guys could do whiskey glasses. You guys could do beer mugs. You guys could do those little tiny Baijo sippers thing. I don't know what they're called. You know, they look like a little tiny champagne glass. There's so many things you could put your your uh, logo. But how many of our, li- we just don't know how many of our listeners are hard drinkers, you know, <laughs> to be taking shots. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe a lot of them can drink. I'm guessing you're a show about drinking that no one who hates drinking is listening, <laughs> taking notes. Oh, look at what they said this time. Yeah. <laughs> drinking isn't doesn't have to be alcohol. It's like the honest drink, okay. right? So I think there's quite a lot we can do with it. It could be an honest drink tea set or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you got yeah tea sets, coffee mugs, all kinds. Of, you know, it's up to you. I'm not trying to force you to get merch. I'm just wondering because you know I think I I can't sell bridges or pass out bridges to people. So <laughs> my show, the bridge, is not as easy to make like an integral part of people's lives. <laughs> yeah, I think you make some good points, and it's it's all about taking that initiative to to get it done and, and put it through. We've definitely discussed some ideas of merch and we've had some of our fans uh, mention that they want merch. So yeah, I think that's something that we could do. Uh, Just one of those things that, you know, when does it become actionable? (laughs) You're listening to The Bridge. You know, when I began the show, I didn't know the three of you had been in China for so long. I thought maybe just a few years or whatever. That's typically what I get out of a lot of expats. And some of the research that was done by one of my coworkers was a little faulty. One of She said one of you was the chief concierge at a hotel. And apparently that turned out not to be true. But I thought that was so funny, first of all, because as soon as she told me, oh, that turned out not to be accurate, I was like, I'm going to so tell everyone that I am the chief concierge of some hotel from now on. <laughs> Every time anyone asks, hey, so what do you do? I'm, gonna, I'm the chief concierge at such and such hotel. And so I was wondering, because you've been here so long, like what is in the future for you, not as a show, but each of you 
you gentlemen, you've clearly lived here a long time. Is this where, are you just going to retire here? Is that your plan? Do you want to stay in Shanghai or you, do you see yourselves moving back to Los Angeles, New Jersey, uh, Texas, and so forth? What do you guys think? Eric, let's start with you this time. Yeah, they were all pointing at me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a specific plan, you know, like directionally. I think that, you know, we've gotten so much out of living here. Like I, at least for me, you know, living in, you know, another place is probably in the cards, right? If our sort of philosophy has been shaped by the fact that, you know, we've tried something completely out of our comfort zone. And we've gone, you know, fully across the whole world to this place and have kind of grown up here a little bit, right? Why would we necessarily just then stop that journey? So like, I mean, this conversation has helped me reflect a little bit and say, maybe it's not about mm. just staying here or going back home, you know, because obviously there's mm. the family aspect, right? Like all my family is in the U.S., And so as my parents age and, you know, I have a brother and, you know, Mm. I have nieces and nephews and all that stuff. I've always thought maybe I'd go back. But now I'm thinking that, hey, like why limit myself in that sense, Mm -hmm. you know, and why why sort of position myself in like one particular place, like, you know, full time. Um, But I think there's a definitely there's a draw from, you know, wanting to be back home and spend time with family. At the same time, I want to continue to kind of see how China grows and develops Mm -hmm. and I think it's probably important that I get other perspectives, Mm. um, you know, outside of just the U.S. and China and live in other places to really practice sort of what we preach a little Mm -hmm. bit is like getting to know people all around the world and, you know, and and continue to, um, you know, learn from that. On a string India version. (laughs) (laughs) Howie, same same question. What what do you think? What's in the future? Um, Well, I mean, before last year, I would have said that I mean Shanghai for the long term would not be out of the I would not be uh, out of the question but mm. due to recent events not just the lockdown but also uh, having a family I just had twins last year mm. um mm-hmm. Congratulations. Just thinking about, thank you. Disneyland is there, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> but just thinking about like the 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 future, not knowing where geopolitics is going to take the world. Just, there's a lot of variances that would affect my decision of where I would kind of bunker down. So yeah, th- there is no answer. <laughs> so undecided. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that, that's fair and honest. Justin? Um, I don't, I don't have any plans um, right now to, to leave Shanghai. Um, I just, I, you know, I've started a family here. I just uh, had a kid, similar time, uh, how he did. And so I'm kind of like starting this whole life here. Um, I have family here and mm. I love it here. So I don't see any, um, I don't have any plans to leave anytime soon. But, you know, like what Eric was saying, and I want to echo his sentiment is that I do mm. at the same time want to keep my mind open. You know, like when my kid grows up and eventually it's time maybe for him to go to university, maybe I can send him abroad to some university somewhere. And, you know, I can, you know, we can move somewhere and mm. kind of live in a different place. And like... Mm-hmm. Eric was saying it doesn't have to be just China, United States. I mean, it's a big world, right? There's a lot of options out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I'm always looking ahead to the future and keeping my my mind open about that. But I don't have any plans to leave in in the in the near future anytime soon. I'm assuming all of you pay into pension in China. You know that someday, if you retire, retirement in China currently probably will change before we get to that age. But it's 60 years old. I'm not trying to sell you on staying in China, but I certainly am staying in China. <laughs> retire at 60 and then just go fly kites and go fishing and learn. To 
Tai Chi in the park. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? (laughs) If I go back to the United States, what's retirement? Like 67 years old. Yeah. I totally am staying here. (laughs) I want that extra 10 years of retirement, like hanging out, like, you know, maybe sipping some Baijiu and playing chess on the street. I don't know how life is in Shanghai, but that's how life is in Beijing. And that sounds really appealing to me. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. Like it's, uh, we've been spoiled also by how convenient life is in in here, Mm -hmm. in Shanghai in particular. I haven't been to Beijing in a long time, but I assume it's very similar. I mean, the convenience of life is so high. Mm. And to go back to like what we were talking about in the beginning of this podcast is like, we, we do live in a bubble mm. and that's like a global bubble in terms of the, I guess, technology, um, the implementation of technology here and how it impacts like life convenience. And I feel like when we leave some other place, like because we've been so spoiled here, you know, the convenience factor really drops quite drastically. And, mm. and I don't know, I don't know if I want to deal with that. <laughs> I like my creature comforts. Well, I'm sure that America is also becoming convenient. We've all been living here in China for a long time. But, you know, a lot of the things like home delivery, I think that's starting to take off in the United States and they're starting to get some of the degree of convenience, especially in the larger cities, maybe not as much in like rural towns where the population, like you mentioned, is actually, you know, 10 or 50,000. And maybe some of the these conveniences don't exist there. But like with Amazon and stuff like that. I'm sure that life is convenient. One thing I really like about the idea of retirement in China, for me personally, is the activity. You know, they say they're retiring, but they're actually really active in China, not just in terms of like flying kites and exercising, but like directing traffic and stuff. And I think that's really cool. And I, one of the reasons I would want to retire here in China is I want to go direct traffic. You know, that sounds really like a lot of fun. (laughs) That's the first time I've ever heard that before. That is interesting. It's totally like you get to be involved during community, like carrying. I, I like the idea of helping the community. I don't get to do that because I'm working all the time. Right. But like carrying boxes, you're going to be one of those community uncle's walking around just like wagging his finger at everybody aren't you oh yeah totally i don't know about the wagging the finger but being able to give back to your community as a retired person is part of life in china and i think that that seems like it would be a lot of fun to me personally yeah yeah that's that's a good point Uh, have any of you gone back and lived in the united states for like six months or a year and then come back to china in your stay here i have been back a few times um you know in the last couple of years and last year i was in the U.S. for probably two or three mm. months. Um, so I've gotten a good taste of that. My feeling is that for us long-term expats, I've been here 11 years, sometimes we don't really realize what's changed in the United States. So Eric, as someone who has been living in China for 15 odd years, I guess 17 or 18 with you, how was that experience? What things have changed in the United States or is it still just all drive throughs and jack-in-the-box? You know, I think that's a great question. It's really interesting because, you know, if you spend too much time in one place, then the other places become other places. Hmm. It's easy to kind of fall into that trap, right? And so I, I, you know, I kind of find myself if I've been in China or wherever for a while, and when I think about going back to the US, you know, I have a lot of misconceptions. Hmm. I had a lot of views that are formed, you know, kind of Hmm. similar to what we were talking about earlier, where we haven't been there for a long time. So Hmm. we're sort of imagining things, right? And so I go back, the reverse culture shock Hmm. literally lasts for like two hours. Like when I'm on the plane, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go back. It's going to be so different. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And I start kind of freaking out a little bit. I land, <laughs> right? And then, you know, within like two hours, I'm like, oh, 
no, no big deal. It's like, I feel at home, mm. you know, kind of immediately. And so we have this tendency to just think, oh, well, you know, wherever like the US is a very backwards place. No, it's like super freaking convenient. Mm. I was back for a couple of weeks in March. I love driving around. You can do everything that you can do here pretty much over there. And it's great. There's all kinds of great restaurants. Like mm. the weather was great. You know, there's more parks over there, like at least, you know, where we are. So I just, you know, really appreciated mm -hmm. sort of being back, you know, having just lived mm -hmm. kind of abroad for a while but then going back and forth and living in different places, it's just like every place is really great. It's just what you choose to kind of think of it, mm. you know? Um, but I don't, the US is definitely not backwards. I mean, it's yeah. really, really, really convenient. And the fact that I couldn't use Alipay wasn't a big deal because I just took, you know, I just take my credit card, tap something mm. or use my Apple Pay and it was just as convenient, mm. right? So there's all these things that we sort of build up in mm. our minds. But when you actually go back, human beings are super duper adaptable and Every place in the world is just trying to get a little bit better every day. Mm. And and just being able to appreciate that was great. But I loved, I love mm. being back and I love living here. So thank you, Eric. I have one last, 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 last question. What is the preferred platform for finding the honest drink? Um, I mean, any platform you want to use. We're on pretty much all the major podcast platforms. Uh I personally I like to use Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh in China, Xiaoyuzhou is uh my preferred app to go. But we're we're on a bunch of app. So whatever, whatever you as the listener like to use, I guess. Yeah. I want to say that the Chinese audience, like we have a bigger Chinese audience that use Chinese apps to listen to us. So for example, like, mm. like Justin mentioned, Xiaoyuzhou, Shimalaya, mm -hmm. probably the two bigger ones that, that we're on. Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise for the Western audience and mm -hmm. international audience, uh, Apple and Spotify mm -hmm. for sure. Thank you, Howie, Justin, and Eric for your time. It was really a great pleasure talking with you, especially, I, I, I got to say, Eric, those comments about reverse culture shock in the United States, it's very enlightening. Thank I had you a blast. so much, Jason. It's a, it's a pleasure. Yeah, it was awesome we gotta, to be on the bridge. Yeah, we'd love to have you back in a few months. If you guys are eager to come back, we can get Alex or Baby to join us too, and we'll have this opportunity again. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be for amazing. sure. That'd be awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on the bridge. All right. Bye-bye. Oh.